Good evening. It's so good to be back together this evening, to have another opportunity to spend some time in worship, to approach our God in prayer, to spend some more time in His Word. Leslie and I want you to know before we get into the lesson tonight how thankful we are for you. Today's been a great day, and we're thankful for every kind word. We're thankful for every encouragement that you've given to us, how you've prayed for us. We cannot express our gratitude for that. We've enjoyed this first week. If the rest of our time is anything like this first week, I think we're going to see God do some amazing things through His people here at Seven Oaks. If you have your Bibles, let's go to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. If you have your Bibles and you'd like to follow along with us tonight, we're going to be studying really throughout that entire chapter. Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. I don't know about you, but one thing that I really struggle with sometimes is what to say to people who are hurting. What to say to people who have fears. People who have doubts. People who are really struggling in life with different kinds of trials, different kinds of hardships, different kinds of tribulations. Sometimes it can be really hard to know what to say or to know what to do. Because we want to do all that we can to comfort them. We want to do all that we can to help them. But sometimes finding the right words and saying the right thing can be very difficult. I heard a story from a member of the Lord's Church one time. His name is Greg. He was attending a Sunday night service like this one during the summer. And as he tells the story, one of his best friends in the congregation responded to the invitation that night. When he came forward, he told the preacher, instead of the preacher talking to the congregation about his sin and what he was responding for, he wanted to speak to the congregation himself. And so as he stood before the congregation, he talked about the sin that he'd gotten entangled in. He talked about how far he'd strayed away from God, how he had committed adultery, he'd gotten into drinking, he got entangled up in, in so many different sins. Whenever he finished speaking, and as the preacher prayed for him, there was not a dry eye in the auditorium that night. Well, he stayed down front, and after services, everybody was coming forward to encourage him, to comfort him, to let them know that they're going to be praying for him. Well, Greg, who was telling this story, came up to his best friend. When he finally got his turn, he put his arm around him, looked at him in a really awkward moment, and said, so, how you doing? And with tears still streaming down his eyes, he looked over at Greg and said, how do you think I'm doing? How do you think I'm feeling right now? I can tell you one on my grandfather. He lives in a small town in Middle Tennessee. And one day he was planning on going to visit somebody, a family of someone who had just passed away at the funeral home. Well, in the small town that they live in, there are only two funeral homes. And he went to the wrong one. Whenever he walked into the funeral home, he did not know a soul in that building. He was about to turn around and walk out whenever the wife of the man whose visitation it was walked up to him, put her arm around him, and said, So, did you know my husband? What do you say in a situation like that? I, I think he said something like, vaguely, vaguely I knew him, which wasn't completely untrue. The point is, whenever we talk to people who are hurting, 
When we know that they're struggling in life, when we know that they're going through difficulties, they have fears, they have doubts, they have trials that they're dealing with, sometimes it's hard to know what to say. We want to comfort, we want to help, but sometimes it's hard to know how to do that. In the past, and really based on my own life, I've heard people say things like this, I'm so sorry, I'm going to be praying for you. I'm going to be thinking about you. I love you. Let me know if you need anything. I don't think it's bad to say any of those things. I think all of those things, if you mean them and you're willing to back them up with your actions, I think those things can be really helpful. Saying those things and acting on those things can be really comforting when it comes to a person who's really struggling with life. But tonight from Joshua chapter 1, I want us to talk about something that I've never really heard anybody say. Especially to people who are hurting. People who are struggling. People who are going through trials and tribulations. I've never heard anybody say this before, but yet I think it's something we need to say. And it's something that we need to hear from Joshua chapter 1. The phrase, be strong and courageous. As Christians, when we go through difficulties in life, this is a message that we need to hear. Whenever we see brothers and sisters going through difficulties in life, this is a message that we need to share. And I love the way that it's presented. I love the way that it's defined in Joshua chapter 1. It's the key theme in that chapter. And so as we begin thinking about that phrase, be strong and courageous, I want to start with a very personal question. What are you going through in life right now? What are you struggling with? What, what is the trial in your life right now? As we approach the first four verses of Joshua chapter 1, let's notice what Joshua was going through in life. Do you, you remember the biblical character of Joshua? We'll see in verse 1, he's described as Moses' servant, Moses' assistant, Moses taught him. Moses mentored him, prepared him. Joshua even had the opportunity to go up with Moses on top of Mount Sinai. That's how close they were. Joshua is the individual who led the children of Israel into the promised land. He was Moses' successor. And he was the one who led the children of Israel as they conquered the promised land. As they went into and conquered the land that God had promised to the Israelites for hundreds of years at this point. Notice what he's going through at the beginning of this book. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, or some translations say servant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses." From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. You look at those first four verses. What is Joshua going through in life? Well, in the very first verse, we find that this takes place immediately after the death of Moses. You remember that story about the waters of Meribah in Numbers, the 20th chapter? The Israelites are wandering in the wilderness. Of course, at this point, they're being led by Moses. And they're complaining. You just brought us out into this wilderness to die. We're, we're going to die of thirst. You should have just left us in Egypt. 
At least if we stayed in Egypt, if we stayed in slavery, we'd have something to drink. We're about to die of thirst out here. What did God tell Moses to do? Speak to the rock, and water's going to flow from it. Is that what Moses did? It's not. No, in Moses' anger, he struck the rock. And because of that, because of his disobedience to God, God told him neither you or Aaron are going to be able to enter into the promised land. And so you fast forward to the last chapter in the book of Deuteronomy. God allowed Moses to stand on top of Mount Nebo to view the promised land, but he wasn't allowed to enter in. It was on top of Mount Nebo that Moses died and the Lord buried his body. And so when we pick up in Joshua chapter 1, Moses has just died. Think about the relationship that existed between Joshua and Moses. Moses was his teacher. Moses was his mentor. He spent a lot of time with Moses. They would have spent hours and hours together as Moses prepared Joshua to be his successor, to be the one who takes over next, to lead the children of Israel across the Jordan River into the Promised Land. Do you think there was some grief there in Joshua's heart? Do you think there was some grief in his mind as Moses dies, even though he knew it was coming? Now that Moses has died, it's time for Joshua to step up. If you go to the end of the book of Numbers, you find at this point there were about 601,000 men over the age of 20 that were a part of Israel. If you add in the Levites, if you add in the women, if you add in the boys who would have been under the age of 20, you're looking at somewhere between 2.5 and 3 million people. Now that Moses has died, his mentor has just died, Joshua steps into this position where he's leading three million people. But it's not just some meaningless task. Joshua is a key part in fulfilling the promise that God made hundreds of years earlier to Abraham. In Genesis chapter 12, to your offspring, to your descendants, God told Abraham, I'm going to give this land. And Joshua was a big part of that. What's going on in Joshua's life? He's dealing with the loss of Moses. He's immediately having to step up to lead three million people into the land that God had promised them for hundreds of years. Do you think Joshua had some doubts about that? Do you think there were some points where Joshua felt unqualified? Do you think there were some moments where he was afraid? Fearful? Not really sure what to do next. Not really sure what to say. Even though Moses had been preparing him for this moment. Think it was challenging? You think it was difficult for him? I think it would have been. We see what's going on in Joshua's life. Now you think about you. What's going on in yours? What are you dealing with right now? I don't know what that might be for you. Maybe you're struggling in your family, in your marriage, with your children or grandchildren. Maybe it's some kind of physical problem that you're having to deal with. Maybe, especially in the world that we're living in right now, maybe you're worried about your health or the health of somebody that you love. Maybe it's more emotional, where you're dealing with a lot of stress and anxiety. You're self-esteem might be really low. Or maybe you've lost somebody close to you within just the last little while. Joshua in chapter 1 can relate to that 
as Moses has died. We could list a lot more possibilities, but I want you to think about you. What's going on in your life? What kind of trial are you dealing with? Now let's go back to Joshua. We see what's going on in his life. What is the message that God communicates to him? Well, let's keep reading in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 5. God continues speaking to him. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Verse 6, underline this. Be strong and courageous. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Underline it again, number two. Only be strong and very courageous being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Don't turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it both day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Here's our Scripture reading. Have I not commanded you? The third time, underline it. Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. As Joshua finds himself in a really challenging, a really difficult, a really scary situation, what is the message that God communicates to him? Do you see the main idea? God doesn't just say it once. He doesn't just say it twice. He says it three different times. Joshua, be strong and courageous. You didn't get it the first time? The second time. Be strong and courageous. How about number three? Be strong and very courageous. Whenever we go through difficulties in life, this is a message that we need to hear. Whenever our brothers and sisters are going through difficulties in life, this is a message that they need to hear. Be strong and courageous. But in communicating that message, in receiving that message, we need to understand it fully. We need to fully understand how it's portrayed in Joshua chapter 1. So let's ask a few questions. Number one, what did it look like for Joshua to be strong and courageous? That's what God tells him three different times. Be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. But what did that look like? What did it mean for Joshua to be strong and courageous despite what was going on in his life? Well, number one, when you look at verse 9, God tells Joshua to eliminate his fear. Do not, verse 9, be frightened. Do not be dismayed. As Joshua thought about leading three million people into the promised land following the death of his mentor, you think he had some fear? You think he had some moments where he was afraid? God tells Joshua, if you're going to be strong and courageous, then you need to eliminate those fears. You need to remove those fears from your heart and mind. You cannot both be strong and courageous and afraid at the same time. Because whenever you're afraid, that's going to drive out your courage. Whenever you're courageous though, that's going to drive out your fear. It's true for us too, isn't it? Be strong and courageous. Well, what does that look like? We need to eliminate our fears. What did Paul tell Timothy in 2 Timothy 1 and verse 9? God did not give you a spirit of fear, 
He didn't give you a spirit of timidity. That, that didn't come from God. It seems in the book of 2 Timothy, Timothy is really struggling with fear and being ashamed. God didn't give you a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And so if we're going to be strong and courageous, a part of what that looks like, a part of what that means is we have to eliminate the fears that we have, whatever that might be. We have to allow courage and strength to replace our fears. Number two, what does it look like to be strong and courageous? Joshua had to do what God told him to do. That's what God tells him. If you look in verse 7, be strong and courageous. Okay, God, how do I do that? Be careful, verse 7, to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Don't turn to it from the right. Don't turn to it from the left. Stay on that straight path. Do what I've told you to do. Do what my law teaches. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. But he says meditate on it both day and night. He says you need to sit down with my law. You need to read my law, study my law. But then when you shut the book, don't let it in there. Meditate on it. Think on it. Let it be in your mind, in your heart, on your lips, both day and night, all the time. Not just so that you can know it or quote it, but so that you can live it. So that you can be very careful, God tells Joshua, to do all that I've commanded you to do. It was not possible for Joshua to be strong and courageous if he was disobedient to God. It was not possible for Joshua to be strong and courageous if he refused to do what God told him to do. The same thing is true for us. If we're going to be strong and courageous in the midst of our difficulties, we have to be committed to God. We have to do what God has said throughout His inspired Word. Sometimes we can allow the trials that we go through to hurt us spiritually, to stunt our spiritual growth, to create a separation, to put a wedge between us and God. And what we see in Joshua chapter 1 is that if we're going to be strong and courageous, we have to do what God has told us to do. We need to spend time in Scripture. We need to allow it to live in our hearts and minds both day and night so that we can be careful to do all that God has commanded us. Now, this next question I think is a really important one. How am I supposed to do that? We're asking a lot in this text, aren't we? We're saying in the midst of your difficulties, be strong and courageous. Eliminate your fear. Live in obedience to God. Be the person He wants you to be. Well, that's easier said than done, isn't it? So how are we supposed to do that? What motivates us to do that? How is that even possible to be strong and courageous despite the hardships that I go through in life? Let's suggest just a few ideas from this text. Number one, if Joshua was going to be strong and courageous, he had to embrace God's presence in his life. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 5, Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Joshua had a front row seat to all of the amazing ways that God was with Moses. And all of the amazing things that God did through Moses, Joshua witnessed all of it. Joshua, if you're going to be strong and courageous, here's what you need to get. If you're going to eliminate your fear and live in obedience to me despite all this, you have to know that I'm going to be with you just like you saw me with Moses. He says, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. 
And then you skip down to verse 9. He says you can eliminate your fear. Don't be frightened. Don't be dismayed. And here's the reason. Because the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. He says when you cross over the Jordan River and you go into the Promised Land, when you go into all these different cities and you wage war against them in order to conquer those cities, you have to know wherever you go and whatever you do, I'm going to be the one who walks beside you. I'm going to be the one who holds your hand. My presence is where you're going to find yourself. If Joshua's going to do this, he can't do it on his own. He has to embrace the presence of God in his life. Think about how that's true for us as followers of Jesus. If we're going to be strong and courageous in the midst of difficulty, we have to embrace the fact that God is present. I love the story in Matthew chapter 14 and verse 27. The disciples are in a boat in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. It's dark. A storm has come on the Sea of Galilee. And all of a sudden, they look to the side of their boat and they see a dark figure of a man walking towards them on top of the water. The Bible says in the verse before this one that they cried out in fear saying it's a ghost. That's the only way they could rationalize it in their minds. But immediately, Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart. Some translations say, be of good courage. Be strong and courageous. Take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. In that situation, the apostles could be courageous. They didn't have to be afraid. Why? Look in the middle of it. Jesus says, it's me. I'm here with you. And He says, if I'm here with you, you can be courageous. You don't have to be afraid. It's a verse we quote a lot, but yet it's a verse that's so meaningful. In Romans 8 and verse 31, what then shall we say to these things? What do we say? If God is for us, then who can be against us? If we're going to be strong and courageous, we have to learn to embrace God's presence in our lives. He's the one who's with us. He's the one who's holding our hands. He is with us wherever we go. But then there's a second part to this. If you skip down to verses 16 through 18, Joshua was able to be strong and courageous because he had the support of his brethren, his Jewish brethren. If you look in verse 12, Joshua is speaking to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half tribe of Manasseh. Which, if you remember the story there, what's associated with them, they're not going to cross over the Jordan River in order to settle in the promised land. They already have their land on the other side of the Jordan River. But God told them, Moses told them, that they had to send men to fight in the army until the entire land was conquered. And so here they are. They're ready to fight. They're ready to go. And, and Joshua is talking to them about that very fact. Notice in verse 16, they answered Joshua, we're not going to stand behind you. You're not Moses. We were with Moses for 40 years. We wandered with him in the wilderness. Moses is our leader. We're, we're, we're not going to respect you. Now verse 16, they answered Joshua, all that you've commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we'll go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you just as He was with Moses. 
Whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words, whatever you command him shall be put to death. And then look at this, underline it. The last words in the chapter, only be strong and courageous. If Joshua was going to be strong and courageous, of course, he had to embrace the presence of God in his life. But that's not all. If Joshua was going to be strong and courageous, he needed the support of his brethren. He, didn't, he needed the support of his brothers who were going to war with him. And that's exactly what they gave him. They communicate to Joshua the very same message that God communicated to Joshua. Be strong and courageous. Joshua, we're behind you 100%. We're going to support you in whatever you do. We know this isn't easy for you. We know that this is difficult. But whatever you say, we'll obey you. And if anyone doesn't obey you, that person should be put to death. And here's what we want for you. Just like God was with Moses, we want Him to be with you. Joshua, we're going to stand behind you 100%. But what you need to do is be strong and courageous. Now think about us. If we're going to be strong and courageous in the midst of our difficulties, yes, we embrace God's presence, but we also need the support of our brothers and sisters in Christ. It's a prevalent theme in the New Testament. We could spend several hours talking about all of those passages and going through them. You're thankful that we're not going to. Let me give you just a few. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. It's a beautiful picture, isn't it? That if I'm, I'm walking around and I'm carrying burdens on my shoulders, what you have the opportunity to do as my brother or my sister is to take some of that burden and put it on your shoulders. And that's what I have the opportunity to do with you. If you're carrying around burdens in your life, I have the opportunity to take some of those and put them on my shoulders. We're here to support one another. We're to, here to help one another. Look at how important this message is. Bear one another's burdens. And Paul says that is what fulfills the law of Christ. Romans 12 and verse 15. What should this support look like? Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. If you're rejoicing, I want to stand next to you. Let's rejoice together. If you're weeping, I want to stand next to you. Let's weep together. That's what it looks like for us to support one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. And then 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 11, Therefore, encourage one another, Paul says, and build one another up just as you are doing. That's why, we, that's why we're here, isn't it? Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25 is a verse that we quote a lot. What does it say? Don't forsake the assembly. We can get really good at saying that part of the verse, but what does the rest of it say? Don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as is the habit of some, but exhorting one another, encouraging one another, and much the more as you see the day, I think talking about the day of Christ drawing near. We have the opportunity to build one another up, to encourage one another, and that's one of the main reasons that we've been here today, being strong and courageous in the midst of difficulty, eliminating your fear, living a life of obedience to God, I realize that's easier said than done. If we're going to do that, we have to learn how to have relationships. We have to learn how to have a vertical relationship with God. We have to learn how to have 
horizontal relationships with one another. I'm going to embrace God's presence in my life. I'm going to rest on the fact that He's going to be with me wherever I go. And I'm going to lean on my brothers and sisters for support. Let's bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Be strong and courageous. When you walk through this text, can you see the importance of that message? Can you see this is why, that why this is something that we need to hear and also something that we need to communicate? What does it look like? Eliminate your fear. Be committed to God. Live in obedience to Him. Well, how in the world am I supposed to do that? Embrace God's presence. Allow your brothers and sisters to support you. You have to allow us to do We can't help you with your burdens if we don't know about your burdens. It demands transparency. It demands us being real and intimate with one another. And that, according to verse 5, verse 7, and verse 8, is what leads to a truly successful life. The world's going to define success in another way. The world's going to tell you you're successful when you climb the ladder. You're successful when you have this amount of money in your bank account. You're successful when your house is this big or you drive this kind of car and God says, let me redefine that for you. If you want to be successful in life, if you want to be successful in the difficulty you're going through right now, be strong and courageous. Wherever you might be, whatever you might be dealing with, be strong and courageous. Like we said, you can't be strong and courageous unless you're doing what God wants you to do. Have you committed your life to Him? Have you obeyed Him? Have you been buried in the waters of baptism? If you have, are you living a life for Him? Even in the midst of difficulty, are you continuing to chase God? Continuing to build that relationship with Him? If you have burdens tonight, if you have difficulties that you're dealing with, now is a perfect time for us to pray about those things together if you'll just come forward as we stand and as we sing the song that's been selected. Hear the sweet voice of Jesus say, Come unto me, I am the way. Hearken the 